Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Good afternoon, Nicole. How are things there in Ohio? Things are good here. We are in bug and dry season, but you know, it's always something with horses. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just thinking flies, huh? Yeah, lots of foot stomping and all that fun, but essential K with fly control does work really well. That's what I can say from my personal experience. (laughs) There you go. That's a good plug. Fly control. Yeah. You definitely go to our website and read some of those articles because it is that time of year where it's just, it's it's beautiful, warm, and then of course the insects. But today we are going to talk about feeding concentrate. And while most horse owners tend to overfeed concentrate, some, I think accidentally more often than not, underfeed concentrate. Is that your experience? Absolutely. I think it's all over the board, but I definitely talk to a lot of people who just aren't necessarily feeding the right product for their horses. So they might be getting plenty of calories, but not all the nutrients they need to support health and wellness. Right, right. And it's just, you know, when you really think about it, and I can definitely see situations which we're going to talk about where an owner can accidentally be underfeeding concentrate or sometimes even purposely to lose weight. But to start this conversation out, I I think it'd be a good question. You know, why do we feed concentrate? You know, why do we need them? The reason we feed concentrate is just, just fill in gaps that aren't provided in the forage because even the best quality pasture or the best quality hay does not provide a complete diet. So there are going to be certain nutrients that simply aren't there in enough quantity. So we use a concentrate to fill in those gaps to make sure that we're filling that horse's nutrient cup all the way full. So when they're challenged by something, their body is ready to heal, restore, whatever it is, just support regular performance even. Now, I always, always thinking about nutrient requirements of a horse. And I I think it would be helpful for our listeners, you know, because (laughs) coming from the research field, I understand, you know, where, where all this originated, but how do we exactly know which nutrients horses need? So what we rely on as nutritionists is at the foundation, um, a document called the National Research Council Nutrient Requirements for Horses. And essentially you have this group of really smart committee members who get together and they periodically look at all of the available literature on equine nutrition. They compile it and based on what's available, they make recommendations for the nutrient requirements of the horse. So I would say under no circumstances do we ever know the exact requirement, even though we talk about them as if they're this set in stone thing. But we do have some basic guidance on what at least the minimum recommendation is. Because you have to remember, the NRC looks at what is the minimum amount of a nutrient to prevent symptoms of deficiency. So we use that as a starting point, but sometimes, both in practice and research settings, we see that the minimum required to prevent deficiency is not the same as the amount required for optimal performance, health, wellness. And of course, on the other end of the spectrum, there is too much of a good thing, Um Pretty much any nutrient, if you feed too much of it, eventually you could hit a toxicity. Some of those ranges are more narrow than others. So the NRC kind of really helps set some guideposts for us. The last horse NRC was published, though, in 2007. 
And you have to understand there's not a ton of equine research as compared to some of our other species. So we're working with a more limited data set in the first place. No, that's a good point. But it, it, at least we have standards, right, in, in the industry that are that are pretty well recognized, I think, worldwide that horses need X amount of nutrients. But I'm curious, too, if you could explain how those nutrients might differ across classes because every horse is, is different. We know that. We've said that in this podcast. What works for horse A may not work for horse B. So could you explain some of those differences? Sure. So one of the things you try to do from a scientific perspective is put some broad categories together so that you can come up with average recommendations based on category. So some categories would be things like stage of production, whether we're talking about a pregnant broodmare versus a lactating broodmare, a growing horse. We have some recommendations actually based on the age of the horse and how quickly it's growing. And then there's things like work level. So if you look at a feed tag, one of the things you will see for most of them in the directions are some directions based on how hard the work the horse is working. Those are actually based on some NRC guidelines. So it'd be a horse at maintenance, so not working, in light, in moderate, in heavy work, and so forth. So those are coming from the NRC, and it's our way to try to capture some of those differences. We realize we're not going to be able to perfectly, in a scientific setting, get all of the different variables that are out there in the real world, but this at least helps us group together horses. You know, so some good examples would be based on work. So energy requirements, for example, increase 25% when you go from light to heavy exercise. Of course, we all know, you know, the examples of the horse that's working pretty hard just eating a ration balancer versus the horse who's just hanging out and needs full feed. But that would be one thing that changes. Your crude protein requirement increases 23% going from light to heavy work. Vitamin E increases 20%. Interestingly, according to the NRC, vitamin A and D, they haven't identified an increase in requirement with increase in work. Um, You know, and then thinking about, for example, uh, growing horses, we have found there's been research that's been published since the NRC and just some more field trial type work and all of that, that the copper and zinc requirements for gestating mares and growing foals seems to be quite a bit higher than that minimum from the NRC. So we're formulating three to four times higher based on some newer research. So again, the NRC kind of gives us some guideposts and minimums, but we always, of course, keep watching all of this new research so that we are not waiting for the next NRC to come out to make changes. Right. It's been, you know, a decade and a half. So, you know, there's been a lot done since then. And I think it was just to to recap the NRC, why that's important in this talk is there are, there are minimum requirements that horses need each day. Right. And so the purpose of a, a, a concentrate feed is, is to help horses not only meet those, but probably exceed those in certain areas. So, you know, that's why we kind of talk about this first, that, there are, there are bare minimums that we need to feed our horses, right? Absolutely. And I'm never shooting for the bare minimum. In fact, if you look at any research paper, it'll be like, diets were formulated to meet or exceed NRC requirements. Like that is our basic standard. And then we go from there. Right. Okay. So we've got those established. Now we know feeding our horses, our diets always start with good forage. So I think it, it 
it's helpful to talk about, you know, what nutrients do horses primarily get from hay and then which ones are they deficient in? Yeah. So we've talked in a lot of podcasts about how important hay is. And also like one of the biggest things that comes from hay is not technically a nutrient category, but that's fiber. So we need that fiber to support digestive function. But looking outside of that, hay for the majority of horses is going to provide most of their calories or energy. So that's what helps maintain body condition. It's also a source of a lot of crude protein in the horse's diet, just by virtue of the amount that the horse eats. So sometimes I think people get really wrapped up in their concentrate, like I need a 12%, not a 14%, which you laugh a little bit because that's a drop in the bucket compared to their total crude protein intake from their hay. The problem is, even though it's a good source of protein, it's not a source of all of the amino acids that the horse needs. So there's what's called limiting amino acids in the diet. And basically the body can only do stuff with protein to the extent that they have their limiting amino acids. So adding a little bit of those limiting amino acids from our concentrate actually lets the horse use all that crude protein that's coming from its forage more efficiently. Other things, for example, like your macro minerals, uh, calcium, phosphorus, potassium, it's basically impossible to create a potassium deficiency in a horse because you get a lot of that coming from your forage. There are times, of course, that those macro minerals, we need to think about balancing them, particularly in breeding situations, that calcium to phosphorus balance is so important. In general, you're getting more calcium than phosphorus, whether we're talking a grass hay, definitely a legume. However, I just saw a hay test a week and a half ago that was inverted, more phosphorus than calcium, just creating some health issues in these horses. And it was down to soil pH, the way it was being fertilized. There's so many of these factors that you need to think about. Other things, um, you know, for our trace minerals, generally forage isn't a great source of those. So everyone thinks about adding additional copper and zinc. Those are definitely important, you know, but there are needs for manganese, iodine, cobalt, and also thinking about the balance of all of those. And then what else? So our fresh forage is going to be high in quite a few vitamins, but when it's cut for hay, those vitamins aren't very stable. They degrade really quickly. So I generally give hay essentially a zero value for those vitamins because they just go away in the first month or two after it's cut. And then, of course, the horse is never going to get all of its salt requirement, either from forage or even additional concentrate. Salt's the one nutrient that we recommend feeding an additional, typically free choice option so that the horses can meet their salt need. That's a good overview. Now, leading up to that, that is why, again, why we feed a concentrate to, to, to fortify the diet in those nutrients that they're not getting from their forage. So switching gears a little bit, you know, how might an owner, and I always say mistakenly, you know, if they're not trying to do, I guess we could address first, you know, where an owner may decide to feed less concentrate to, to cause some weight loss, why that could be a problem. But what are some other situations where an owner might mistakenly be underfeeding their horse? So the first scenario you bring up is super common. Like I have an easier keeping horse, so I only feed him a handful or a pound of 
X grain because if I feed him more, he's going to gain weight or I'm actively trying to get him to lose weight. And the problem with that, if you do it with a full intake concentrate, something that's designed to be fed at a minimum of four or five or even six pounds per day, if you only feed him one pound, he's only getting a portion of the nutrients. So most of the tribute products are designed with a minimum recommendation for your average size horse of four pounds per day. If you were to only feed one pound because more than that would be too many calories, you might be making the right choice from a calorie standpoint. And that's the easy one to get focused on because you can look at the horse. Energy is the only nutrient that we can look at the horse and say, yes, it's getting too much. No, it's getting too little because we can see fat cover. I cannot look at any other horse and say, oh, he's not getting enough copper. There might be some hints, but without analyzing the diet, I can't say that definitively where we can with energy. So anyways, if you only feed one pound a day of Calm and Easy, you're only getting 25% of the nutrients. And those nutrients that it was put together with at that minimum feeding rate was designed to balance a range of hays. You know, there definitely are situations where your hay is like totally oddball, but those four pounds per day would balance the majority of hay and filling in those gaps. So if you only feed one pound, you're only filling in 25% of the gaps. So that's super common. The other one I see is sometimes it feels good to like, I don't know, have a ritual around feeding time and you end up using lots of things and doing some mixing and matching. And again, you might be feeding a good quantity of total feed. You might be still meeting the energy requirement, but if you're feeding, you know, this much fat supplement, that much hay pellets, and only a tiny amount of the grain that's meant to be fed again at at least four, five, sometimes six pounds, depending on the product you're looking at, you're not going to be providing all of those nutrients, even though the meal size is more substantial. So those are kind of the two ways that I see people kind of run into trouble and feed a product that's meant to be fed at a higher feeding rate in a smaller quantity. No, that's a very good explanation, Nicole. So how would I know if I'm feeding enough or not? Yeah, the easy thing you would do is look at the tag or the you know reference sheet. On a lot of tribute, it's actually printed on the bag, not the tag itself. But what is the minimum amount for my horse? And then if you don't already know, you would weigh the feed or call us and we have a quart to pound conversion. So sometimes people do, they think they're feeding more than they actually are because it's so typical. We don't really see too many coffee cans anymore, but definitely the I feed half a scoop. You can't always assume that every feed is one pound per quart. A lot of them aren't actually. So there are definitely examples where a feed is either more or less dense than you think it is, and you're either feeding a lot more or a lot less than you actually think. So, you know, not you don't have to weigh your feed every day. You just have to understand that, okay, two quarts provides this many pounds of feed. Right. It's just the coffee can. I haven't seen a coffee can in a long time, but I did at one point in my career. Oh, geez. Just showing our age, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I think the the next topic to really bring up in this is, okay, if I'm underfeeding my horse, what are some of the consequences to that animal? I mean, I think loss of body condition is the easy one, right? Like that's like you said, too much energy, they gain weight, not enough, they lose weight. That's an easy one. But what are some of the other consequences that we may not see or maybe we can see? 
Yeah, and some of these tend to be a little more insidious and less obvious. So some examples would be a decrease in top line. So if we're underfeeding that concentrate, that means we're not providing all of the limiting amino acids. They're not using protein very efficiently. So you could find over time that their muscling just kind of slowly falls off a little bit. Things like hair coat or hoof quality, again, are examples. It takes some time for the body's nutrient comfort cup to kind of run down. So it's not like if I start feeding him only a pound tomorrow that I'll immediately see it. But over time, you're going to see some of those decreases that are physical examples of nutrient deficiencies. A lot of them aren't as obvious though. So for example, there's a lot of nutrients that support the immune system. You don't necessarily know that you have deficiencies causing immunity problems until your horse is challenged with something. And they may either be more susceptible or not bounce back as quickly if they have some sort of sickness. From an owner's perspective, you know, always horse owners want to do what's best for their animal. How can we help them ensure they're feeding the appropriate amount of concentrate? Yeah, all of us want to do the best thing for our horse. And I'd say, I don't think there are many people who are intentionally feeding things incorrectly. They just don't realize it until you point it out. So if we have the really easy keeper, um, generally my recommendation is we look at a ration balancer. So instead of feeding one pound of a higher intake feed, we feed one pound of that ration balancer, like a central K or wholesome blends balancer, because it's super concentrated. So it is more expensive per bag. And the reason for that is we're packing lots of nutrients into a really small package that allows us to fill in those gaps without adding a lot of calories. Now, that's a relatively straightforward switch. If you're just feeding a pound of, you know, whatever, put them on a pound of ration balancer, you've probably filled in their needs. What gets to be a little bit harder sometimes is what I call the in-between horse. And it's a horse where maybe four or five pounds of whatever product you're using would be too much, but the one or two pounds, depending on their work level of ration balancer wouldn't be quite enough. So a lot of times what I'll do in these situations is we'll use essential K or wholesome blends balancer as our base. So depending on their size, their workload, et cetera, we're always going to feed a certain amount of the essential K really fill in all those nutrient gaps, but we do recognize they need some additional calories So we might use a separate product we have in the barn. Say you feed most horses calm and easy or senior sport. We'd actually just add a pound of that, a pound and a half. What makes sense for that horse's calorie needs? And it'll complement the essential K. So you get a little boost of nutrients, which is great, but you're also keeping it simple by just using that second feed for that in-between horse. And then we would just vary that in-between feed depending on those horses' needs. So a great example, you know, I have a horse who's a very easy keeper, usually Rocky, we talked about him in our fat horse episode, but you know, a couple summers ago, I did not have great hay. It was an awful year to put up hay in Ohio. And I had some hay I wasn't particularly proud of, but at least I had it in the barn and it was safe to feed those sort of things that combined with a pretty heavy workload that year, he needed a little bit more. So I kind of slowly added some senior spore on top of essential K because that's the second product I already have. And then as we came into the fall and into the winter and his workload tapered off, I slowly decreased that until we got to the point where today he needs his grazing muzzle and he's fat again. But we recognize those horses needs change over time. And this lets us be flexible. And we still keep that at base of essential K to make sure all of those nutrient needs are still being met. 
That's a good explanation. And it is, it is complex. It is so complex because every horse is different. Every situation is different. And so I think it's a, it's a good point to, to plug it here that if you are having issues or you're confused or you need help or just simple advice, you can always reach out to the tribute team and they will work with you to help develop an individual feed plan for your horse. So that is always on our show notes. You can click on that, click on the link and get in contact with the tribute team. Yes, we have the friendliest and most helpful equine specialists and they're happy to help in any way that they can. And it's not just tribute. It's looking at that overall, what can we do to make the best program for the horse? Cause at the end of the day, that's what we want. And you yeah. know, that might mean making some other tweaks as well, you know, increase hay, whatever. Um, but they're happy to talk through all of those different things. Yeah. Happy horses make happy owners, right? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> well, I guess we'll leave it there for this week. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing this podcast on social media. We do see it. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram. We have been asking for listener questions now. So you can go there and click on that to submit any questions you may have for Nicole and I. Yeah, I would love to be able to do kind of a mailbag at the end of these. It doesn't necessarily have to be related to the topic, but if you have some specific question, throw it out there and we'll try to start answering them at the end of each of these episodes. Yeah, yeah, that, it's amazing. So thank you so much. And we'll be back next week with a new topic. <laughs> Thanks, Chris.